Welcome to the Faith and Grief Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and grief. We hope the stories and interviews you hear provide some comfort and hope on your grief journey. Faith and Grief is a nonprofit that provides grief support programs across the country, in person, and online. Learn more at faithandgrief.org. Today, we're joined by two people involved in the Speaking Grief documentary. Lindsay Whistle-Fenton is an Emmy Award-winning storyteller who's passionate about using public media to build empathy. She's currently a senior producer at WPSU, where most recently she developed, produced, directed, and wrote Speaking Grief, a multi-platform initiative aimed at helping create a more grief-aware society. We're also joined by Jay Blue Saunders, who is featured in Speaking Grief along with her daughter, Anise. Jay leads a widow's group, has had a long career in workforce development, and served on several nonprofit boards in the Richmond area. She and her daughter are moving forward with the help of their faith. I want to welcome you, Ajay and Lindsay, here to the podcast. Good morning. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. And thanks for the opportunity to reconnect with um, with Ajay. Yes. (laughs) Well, I found Speaking Grief uh, through my own research, um, looking for online resources for our participants, the folks that come to our in-person support groups and workshops and saw it was a documentary. And this was earlier this year before the pandemic really took hold. And I thought, oh, this is a really, I'm so glad someone's done this for us to talk about grief. Lindsay, tell me a little bit about how Speaking Grief got started, kind of what's the origin story, I guess, for Speaking Grief. Sure. Um, and I love that that you found this in your research. That makes me really happy that, it, that it's out there and people are finding it. Um, So I work for a public television station in central Pennsylvania. And uh, several years ago now at this point, I want to say it's been in total probably more than five years since the idea was first posed. And it was posed by a very loved and respected colleague of mine who has since retired, Patty Statalia, wanted to do a something, some sort of program on people who were specifically grieving the loss of a child. And that, you know, and just the way that things evolved, that that idea sort of got, it was out there and it sort of got sidelined and then came back. And then um, I, I work very closely with Patty and I, I basically live for working on projects that explore the crazy experience of being human. And I love things that I mm. think help us understand each other a little better. So I, I immediately kind of jumped on that and wanted to be involved. And... Um, after I, honestly at this point it's a little murky because it has been so long but at some point um, I became very involved and I started doing research and just putting together uh, an internal proposal about what this project could be and within a couple of days of, of just poking around in the grief space online um, it became very apparent that there was such a need for content about grief that there 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 was a lot of wonderful resources that that organizations and, and grief groups put out about grief but that what really was surprising was especially about other people responding to someone's grief for being able to show up and support grief so so basically if you google grief supporter or, or anything about grief one of the first things that comes up is a lot of articles about how wrong we get it a lot um and sure. how the disservice that's done to people who are grieving because we don't have anybody teaching us these skills 
And so as, as a public media outlet, we always look for places that that have that, that sort of have a void that we can fill and that we are uniquely positioned with the platform we have to be able to fill that. So we saw this as, wow, nothing's really been done. Like a lot of things touch on grief and, and that's something I've become very observant of through the work on this project is looking at all these ways that grief shows up and things, but nothing basically just like a grief 101 or, or right, something right. directly taking grief on. Um, and so that's sort of a, a long story of how we got started. But and 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 then as soon as I saw the the tremendous need and, and the opportunity that we could make a difference, and I, I always say you don't work in public television unless you're some kind of an idealist. So I'm definitely a little, <laughs> you know, a little bit of an idealist, but I saw, you know, this we can really have a, an impact and make it make a difference. And then it's just a matter of, of getting funding and getting the project off the ground. And luckily, we were able to connect with the New York Life Foundation, who who have been leaders in bereavement and especially child bereavement. And we were connecting with them at a time where a lot of their work had been, I think, more in a direct care area. And I, I'm not going to I don't work for them. I'm not going to speak on their behalf. But they they really recognize the power of narrative yes. and the importance of getting stories out there and sharing people's real experiences. And so that was just sort of a really serendipitous match. And they've been great, great to collaborate with on this project. Um, but so then that's, that's how Speaking Grief came to be. And then once, once we finally made that connection, it started happening pretty quickly. So I think I started in earnest on this about a little over two years ago at this point, um, and just delving in and learning as much as I could and talking to as many people as I could. To me, one of the beauties of the documentary is the fact that you started with stories. You started with people's stories yeah. of loss and learned and taught from that point, mm -hmm. which is different sometimes, um, even in grief. Sometimes we're very instructive about what you should and shouldn't do. Um, and like you said, even though we may have those um, idioms out there of what you should say or not say, we don't do grief very well. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, well, and that kind of gets at, so me, what I'd wanted to add was, um, a lot of people have either come out and asked me, or I, I've sort of, I learned to sense when people are wanting to ask this question, but not wanting to be rude is a lot of people assume that this project was motivated by some tremendous loss, loss experience for me personally. And I mean, I definitely have had losses. I've had death-related losses, and I have a lot of things that I've grieved throughout my life, and I'm grieving right now. But I haven't had one of those sort of catastrophic losses yet of sort of my um, my core people that that day to day, um, you know, like like Ajay losing her husband. Mm -hmm. I haven't been there, and so I think that's a really interesting assumption because I think mm -hmm. it it kind of belies why we're doing what we're doing, which is that we assume that people only care about these kind of harder topics about something like grief if they're mm -hmm. directly affected right and so i i think that's that's interesting and i always like to point that out is that like you know we all have a stake in this and we all we all do grieve to some extent and have grieved but this is something that we all need to get better at um as humans and it's and so i always like to to address that question and and that no i i just came to this because uh, I, I saw the, I just saw, yeah, how not great we were at this. And I think I actually identified probably more with the supporter side of this. And, and I'll, I'll speak more about the goals and the components of the project, but 
we wanted to create something that would serve both people who are sort of in acute grief or who are actively grieving and people who are coming at it more like me, who are sort of outsiders to this experience, but who want to get better at it. And they, they recognize the importance of it. And, and nobody teaches us this stuff. So, so again, I, I really connect with that end of people who mean well and who really care and really want to do the right thing and, and, and give the support right. people need. But we just don't know how. We don't have, we don't have language. We don't have actions that we can take. And, and we don't, and what we do think we know is so wrong. <laughs> like a lot of it's just wrong. A lot of the things that we've been taught about, and, and I, I hate binary thinking, so I don't like assigning right and wrong, but a lot of things are just, they're just off base um, in terms of the thing, what we think we're doing when we mean to be comforting. The last thing I think most of us want to do is hurt our person, but we end up doing that because we don't know and because what we think we know is um, is off base. So that's what I wanted to say about that and and that um, and that I'm so grateful to people um, like Ajay who let me in and trusted this the sort of outsider to the grief experience mm. because that was a concern I had early on was that because I didn't have that I wasn't in that that club that nobody wants to be in would people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. validate me being in that space and would people accept me in that space and I'm so grateful that people mm -hmm. did um, because it's been a, a tremendous gift to me as well both personally um, professionally obviously but but personally um, it is it just definitely changed me and and one of the things I was I was sharing with my husband the other night I was trying to figure out said I I, I falling into that trap of, of not having experienced a big grief. I said, I, I can't pinpoint why this, why this work means so much to me. Cause I said, this is, this is a once in a career thing. I, I feel so mm. fulfilled on every level doing this work and I want to do everything I can to continue it and stay in the space. And he said, well, first of all, he's like, you like, you like to help people, but um, you know, and, and that's true. And, and I always say, actually, if I were going to do anything other than being a TV producer, the only other thing that really, um, and being a documentarian that I wanted to do is study psychology. So it's sort of, I sort of get to do that a little bit. Um, cause I just, like I said, I love understanding, you know, the experiences that we all have and, and how we come to those. But so the other, the other big takeaway for me of why I love doing this work is I love the relationships I've built in the community. Um, and that's both mm. the, the people who are, um, who I, who I interviewed and the, the people who are grieving that we featured in the project, but even the professional community, it's just a really special group of people who are sort of like-minded in that effort to just want to get better at how we care for each other. And so I've, I've been really grateful um, to, to have had the opportunity to work on this project. Um, and it has just, it has changed me in ways that I think I'm going to be processing for, for a very long time to come. <laughs> Well, like I said earlier, one of the things about the documentary, I, I think the beauty of it is the stories. And um, you kind of walk in in the intro of the of the documentary talking about our struggles as supporters of those who are grieving, that we don't have a lot of language about grief. And that's something here at Faith and Grief we, we um, try to help people with as well. How do we support those or how do we give resources, ideas, um, skills to those around those who are grieving? Now, Jay, you um, are featured in the um, documentary and uh, talk about uh, the death of your husband, John. Um, 
tell me a little bit about how you got involved in the project and tell me a little bit about John. Okay, I got involved with the project. Uh, my husband died May 1st, 2015, and it was sudden death. Sudden, suddenly, I did, it wasn't expected, so it hit me uh, very hard. And I, um, it's, just, it's just my daughter and myself and him in Richmond, Virginia area, so we don't have extended family, um, you know, or a lot of support in this area. So I found myself online seeking out resources to help me get through my own understanding of why I was feeling this gravely intensified grief. Mm. And, uh, and I say it that way because I had experienced father, mother, sister, brother, then my husband, then my granddaughter. So I, I've experienced some, some grief in, in my life. But this spousal grief, this death of my husband was a, just remotely, just, just uh, intensely deep and very, uh, very heavy. So I sought out online groups, and in that I ran up on a writing group that allowed, it's called Writing Your Grief, and it allowed you to um, pick, they picked a topic every, I think every month or every week or whatever, mm -hmm. and you wrote about just your, your grief, and then you shared it with the other people in the private uh, Facebook post. And that was, that was hosted by Megan Devine, and then out of that, um, I, then I guess she contacted someone or or Lindsay or someone. Anyway, she recommended me to Lindsay to be a part of the Speaking Grief uh, broadcast. And so Lindsay called probably, what, maybe April or something, and we talked a good 45 minutes, an hour or more. And... Um, and we really connected well. And then she called back in May and said that they want to come to Richmond and, and actually shoot shoot on site. <laughs> you know, me, me, me and my daughter. And so we made way in our lives for her and her team to come for us to share uh, our stories with her. Um, well, let me see. My husband. Well, you know, my husband was a kind man, a gentle man, one of those men that everyone always said, oh, you, you, you know, he, uh, he's so nice. He was um, retired, retired Air Force. So mm -hmm. military men have a certain way about them. They they tend to, sure. you know, they tend to kind of hold it down and they tend to be very precise and they're very organized. And, and you know, so uh, he was just that, that kind of guy. He was a, he was older than me by by 20 years. And so um, I, I met him in California and we moved to Virginia about two years after we we met, we met. And uh, he spoiled me. He was a uh, was just one of those men that knew knew how to be a, a gentleman, knew how to treat a, a woman. Uh, and so allowed me to be free and me to do me and to be um, as quirky and uh, as creative as I want to be because he was very, very, um, you know, just very stable, very, very, a uh, very stable, very precise kind of guy. He loved to travel. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing we had um, in common. So we, we would always travel, you know, anywhere, everywhere, uh, all the time. Yeah. Um, 
And so he was just kind of our, our, our rock. Um, and, 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 and to clarify, you know, sometimes, sometimes people have a big extended family to call on and to be with. It was just, it just really became really my daughter, him and me in, in our lives. I mean, we, we did everything together, us three. It was just like us three. And then it was like him and my daughter, you know, doing their things, you're doing their antics, you know, and their travels and you're doing things that they did. And so, um, so, and so when he, so when he died, it just left this great void in the, in the threesome. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like, he wasn't there anymore. And, uh, and so we, we, we just met my, my daughter and I, we, we had to learn how to navigate and, and still, I, you know, I learned how, how right. to navigate our lives mm-hmm. with this great missing piece that's not there anymore, you know? Um, so that, that's what happened. And that's why I was a part of the broadcast. Well, uh, what I know of you, Ajay, is you are um, a Renaissance woman. You've done lots of things. But what I appreciate is through um, your experience, through your grief, um, you've also found a way to give back by supporting others who've lost a loved one, um, uh, leading a support group for widows, and just the work that you've done in the past in nonprofits and the work that you do now. So um, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you finding uh, a way forward. Um, mm-hmm. through your faith and through um, mm-hmm. kind of giving back. But what I, I what I appreciate too is um, you talked about having to go online to find resources. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I hear this a lot in our work is that that's the way, that's where most people go find their grief horse resources these days is mm-hmm. they get online and they type in grief or my husband died or whatever the, the keywords are that day. What I really appreciate about this project is it's beyond just the documentary. It is actually a full project, a multi-platform project, which is giving resources, not just in the format of this lovely documentary, but resources through an entire platform. Lindsay, tell me about kind of how that got developed and kind of what kind of resources are you guys providing? Yeah, so we... um, So from the get-go, we wanted Speaking Grief to be a multi-platform project because we recognized that, let me just start that over. We wanted to make Speaking Grief multi-platform because we want, we knew that first of all, there was no way that you can do the whole grief experience in 60 minutes. There's no way you could do it in a thousand minutes. It's just that it's so huge and so different for every person. So we knew that we had to do more than than a a single documentary and we also wanted to be able to do something that would serve both populations that would validate what grief is actually like that would be really authentic in in correcting some of those misconceptions and and normalizing grief so that people who are grieving could come to what we are creating and know that you're you're not crazy because that's something we've heard a lot as people feel like because we're so we don't understand it when you actually um, like Ajay even said, like when when you had the death of John, how different it was, and that's something I I heard a lot of people mm-hmm. being surprised by by the the weight and depth of their own mm-hmm. grief. And so we wanted to put something out there that would basically say you're not alone in this, and this is a hundred percent normal and healthy that you're feeling what you're feeling, and that we grieve because we love things, and it would actually be more problematic if you, if you weren't grieving. And so that that you know, by and large, if you're not hurting yourself or others, however you're doing your grief is okay. And that, 
that this is this is part of humanity and this is not something um, that needs to be shameful or taboo. So that was the first audience. And then the second, is, as I touched on, was was reaching support people and, and demystifying grief a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and by doing so, we actually saw that as the way that we could then support people who were grieving because one of, and we talk in the film a lot about secondary losses, one of the most common secondary losses I heard is the loss of other relationships and friendships and family members who, because I believe not because they don't care, but because we feel so paralyzed with our lack of understanding on this topic Mm -hmm. that we shut down. And I, I will be the first to raise my hand. I have been there. I have, I have had moments where literally nothing, I didn't say anything, not even, I'm sorry. I think because I Mm. I felt so paralyzed in the space of grief. Um, And, and I, I, no matter how deeply I care, I just didn't have that education, those tools. I didn't want to make anything worse. Um, and now I can say, looking back, I see how hurtful that was. And, and so mm-hmm. we wanted to change that experience for people who are trying to be supportive, but then also just kind of stem the loss of those those other relationships and sort of sort of like back end get in to help support grieving people by by equipping their friends, family members, employers, whoever it may be, clergy, who will be there for them to hold them up in this in this space uh, and make that isolation um, not extend farther than it needs to. And so the the multi-platform aspect is we have the documentary, uh, which is a 60 minute broadcast documentary. Um, it's currently airing on public television and um, and I'll put a plug on August 30th will be available on our website. So then we have the website speakinggrief.org that is um, full of resources and we are still adding things there there are there are sections there excuse me there are sections there for people who are grieving there are sections there for people who are looking to support someone and there are sections that apply i think to everybody um that have that really go in depth on some of the themes we talked about in the film about understanding grief about we have sections of people sharing things that are helping them in their own grief and then we have sections to address how we support grief in really concrete ways. And it, and the challenge of this is that um, God, I have to give a shout out, Kristen Bittner and Steve Nelson. Kristen is our instructional designer and Steve is our web designer. And, and particularly with Kristen trying to come up with tangible learning objects for, you know, learning goals for something like grief, um, just hats off to her because the whole point of this is I you know, we live in this prescriptive culture exactly, that wants yes. to say, yeah, these are the 10 things you do. Right. And I basically told her from the get go, yeah, we don't have that. <laughs> so, um, and so, I, can, I can relate to that. Um, so mm-hmm. kudos to her. Um, it is challenging. How do you educate, um, mm-hmm. without being prescriptive? Um, mm-hmm. because in grief there, there is no prescription. Um, there, there really, there really isn't. Um, yeah, and we we ended with this the prescription of basically accepting that and showing up, knowing that the best thing you can do is be humble and authentic, yes. and just own that that you might not get it right, but that you're going to be there. So that, so there's the website. There there were going to be a lot of in person events that are now moving virtually because we didn't want this to just be something that we. Um, put out once and screened once and then people never interacted but we actually wanted it to start conversations and we're still we still make the film available to to any group no matter how big or small that wants to do a screening and we have a toolkit on the website to help facilitate that 
And then we're really using social media as a learning platform and not just something to promote the project, but mm-hmm. we're looking at the research we've done and, and pulling quotes from the interviews and, and sharing stories from the project and putting that out on social media so that even if that's the only contact someone has with this project, if they're just scrolling through their Instagram feed, there might be something that they know after seeing that image that they didn't know before seeing it that will help them either be more compassionate with themselves and their grief or compassionate with someone else um, that they're trying to support through their grief. I think the whole concept of having the platform um, and having it multi different ways is great because it's really going to be able to um, reach grievers and those supporting grievers where they're at. And that's one of the things that we do a lot is try to meet people where they are and not try to you know, bring them to us, but say, where are you? And let's, let's try to find um, a way, you know, to walk with you. And, and really, like I said before, there's no prescription for grief. Uh, we there, know that, there are no experts. There are no, there, there are no experts. You're an expert and a novice exactly. in your own grief. We say You're that a lot. You yeah. Are, and you, that, and that, that's the only other thing I'll say with the project is that was sort of our, um, our ethic or, you know, our, our, um, our creed as we went through this is, is talking to people early on, even, even I'm using air quotes here, experts, people who grief professionals, people who yes. are grief practitioners who work in the field, who, who study grief or, or are counselors, they will be the first ones to say, we're not experts. The people who are experts are the people who are grieving and, and everyone's an expert in their own grief. And so that was really the structure that we tried to follow throughout the project. And especially in the documentary is to let the, the individuals and the families we talk to be the experts and tell us what their grief is, is like. And then, bring in those sort of practitioners, those professionals to just add a little punctuation to that, but really give center stage um, to people who are actively in a grief experience. Mm. Well, um, as we all know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and that has shifted how projects get released. For us, it's changed how we're uh, interacting with those that we serve and um, really with the launch of the documentary kind of right at the beginning of all of this. Um, how or where have you found comfort and hope? Because that's that's one of the things that we focus on is finding ways um, to help provide fe- people comfort and hope. And that's in our gr- in our world, it's about listening to other stories and giving people a place to grieve um, with others who've experienced the same thing. Ajay, where, where are you finding your comfort and hope these days? Well, as, as, as um, God would have it, I've been able to um, connect with widows online and I've been able to start a new widows group um, that's going to meet once a month. And so, um, you know, just um, the pandemic, just for me, the pandemic has allowed me the opportunity to spend more time with people mm-hmm. uh, on phone calls, uh, checking in with them weekly, checking in them with with them via text just to see, you know, it, you know, if they need anything, if I could pray with them, if I can assist them along their grief journey. And so that has helped me just, you know, keep my focus, which is to help others in this journey. Um, and that's that has helped um, because I really want to make sure that people understand that, you know, with grief there, you have different needs 
at different times along right. the journey. You know, you when you, you know when it first hits you, you need to really know that you're not alone. That there are others that are in there with you. You know, and there are people who could help you. You know, because when it hits you, you know, it's it's such an isolated individualized event that sometimes you feel as though, oh, woe is me, it's all by myself. And so what the resources do, what the speaking grief does, what other um, internet uh, resources have done is helped people to connect with others so that they know that they aren't alone. And that, and, and so that by itself helps them know that the pain that they feel can become more manageable over time. You know, that, that, that if you're having a hard day on a Monday, you can go online and you could connect with someone who's either going to agree with you that they too are having a, a, a bad Monday or and or they're going to help to encourage you to know that it's just one day, it's just actually one moment mm. that the next moment can change and it often does, uh, does change. Um, and so uh, what I've been able to do, just, just been able to reach out to people who have lost individuals even during this current pandemic, which you know is one of the horrific things to Understand that your person has gone. There was no closure. Now, I I witnessed that myself. You know, I wasn't able to say goodbye to my husband. I you know I wasn't able to talk to him after he fell. I, there was no you know communication. So with him speaking back, uh, but these people you know can't have a funeral. They weren't able to see them in the hospital. They weren't able, you know so they don't get any of that that closure. So we do need professionals to speak up about how they're going to deal now with this new kind of grief because this is a this is a new kind of grief this is not the regular grief where you know someone dies you have you know a wake you have a funeral and then you go on these individuals don't have don't have the opportunity to have any of that and what kind of repercussions will that and have on their life, you know what I mean? And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always thinking about, about those kind of ways to encourage encourage folks. So, you know, I stay grounded in the word. I'm, I'm doing a, a Bible study on the Holy Spirit every, mo- every, month, every morning now at seven o'clock and just kind of trying to find and keep my faith strong so that I can help myself, help my family and, and uh, help others. Lindsay, what about you? During this time, um, it looks like you, like me, um, are working from home quite a bit. But um, you're you've launched this whole project. Um, where are you finding comfort and hope these days? Um, it's a struggle. It's it's been interesting that this project has given me language and understanding of my own experience and recognizing that we are all in grief experiences right now. And I think it's given me a little bit more compassion with myself um, for having Mm -hmm. good days and bad days. Um, I, I tend, I don't always like, I get very nervous about trying to like bright side or silver lining things. Cause I I think for some people that can be helpful, but that can also be very um, dismissive and hurtful in the space of grief. But I, Mm -hmm. I will say one, um, one sort of upside I've been able to reframe about what's going on right now is I I got to go visit my parents for the first time since January um, oh, wow. a few weeks ago. They 
I, uh, they live in Buffalo, which is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. I live in Pennsylvania and out of caution, um, I'd been staying away and I finally got to a place where I felt like I was distant enough and we were being safe enough that I could go see them. Mm-hmm. And I ended up staying an extra week and, and I was helping them with some stuff around the house and I just wasn't ready to leave. And I had this moment of, wow, this is, I wouldn't normally get to do this. I, I get time with them because right. I can work from anywhere. So I had taken a week of vacation, but then I had to basically go back to work. But I was like, well, it doesn't matter if I'm working there or here. And now I'm trying, now that I've had that realization, I'm trying to make plans to go take advantage of that more because I won't always have that ability. So it doesn't mean that this is any easier, but it's it's something I found um, to hold on to. And then, and then the work itself, um, this project, as I said, has, is, is so meaningful to me in so many ways. And so I, 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 I really delve in and and to how we can keep growing it how we can learn and serve people better we've gotten a lot of great feedback on it a lot of good suggestions about where we can take it next where we can grow it um and in in trying to reach as many people as we can and trying to get this message out so we can get better at it but i I find that work very comforting and again the, the space and the relationships um, comforting and then I'll share um, something about my, my own faith sort of in the middle of this project I was doing an interview in Alabama um, with a woman um, she's on the website her name is Nona she's wonderful her son had died of an overdose and mm. my family has lost someone to overdose I had a cousin die um, a little over five years ago uh, very suddenly and unexpectedly and so that story was particularly triggering for me um, and and usually no matter how much things affect me and in a professional capacity, I will try to try to keep it together and try to not shift the focus onto me. But in that moment, we went um, to the columbarium to, to meet for me to meet her son, to meet, mm. to meet Drew. And I got very emotional and um, I got very angry and I sort of wasn't quite a prayer, but I just threw this question up, you know, what is the point of this? Like, why do you do this? Why are we here with, Sure. When it's just pain, like you just like, this is so such a cruel design. Like we love each other. And then the people we love are ripped away from us and it's awful. And people just have to keep going through this. And I don't get this often where I get a response back, but the, the very clear answer I got back in that moment of pain and anger was the point is love. And that's all it was. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've held on to that because I'm trying to, I, I struggle with that sometimes. And especially right now and, and beyond COVID, um, you know, just looking at, um, the Black Lives Matter and, and all the pain that's involved in how we come to race in this country. It's it's very, there are moments of, of be, feeling very overcome by despair. But then I try to look back at within that pain, there's so much love and there's so much, there's so much opportunity for us to love not only the people and the things we're grieving, but to show up for each other with these beautiful expressions of love. And that they don't have to be these grand things that it can be as simple as sitting and listening to someone else um, speak their grief, <laughs> not, not to make a pun out of that. But, um, but even in expressions of anger, I'm trying to start to pay attention um, and other people's anger as they grieve to start to look at the underlying pain behind that anger response. And then realize that if you move beyond that pain, the pain usually is, is some sort of a, a signal that there's tremendous love there. Well, thank you both. Thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you for working on this project and having it available for those who are grieving so we can get better at grief.
Thank you so and much for this opportunity. I just want to share that in the beginning, I so appreciated the fact that you were very authentic to let me know that you really hadn't experienced grief in any, you know, in the in the way that I had, or that you were new on the on even understanding the whole grief journey. And I so appreciated your willingness to learn and to and to show that with such grace. Um, and I mean, you even shared that, you know, you weren't particularly, uh, involved with, you know, your, your church or religion, but you, you know, understood, you know, how that was a good component of my life, you know, my, my faith. And so I just, I've just watched you even in the videos, you know, documentaries you've done just how the Lord has just grown you, grown you in this journey in your life. And it's it's evident. I mean, the, the Lindsay you are now, you aren't the Lindsay you were when I met you a year ago. You aren't. You aren't. Your, your, your whole heart demeanor is uh, different. And uh, I thank God for you even having the heart to come into my, my life and show such grace to me and my daughter. Because you, you, you know, you uncover things in her that I had no clue she was feeling and she was experiencing, you know, expressing. And you did that with such grace and such love and such um, caring. And um, I appreciated your, your presence on this, uh, uh, you know, on this, uh, uh, on this documentary. I do. I, I think it was, I think it was great work for you personally. <laughs> and, and we'll see what happens with, with, with it. I do. I just, I, I watched it. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff though. It really is. Yeah. It is. Thank you. Faith and Grief Podcast is supported by listeners like you. Donate today at faithandgrief.org. The opinions expressed in today's podcast by the guests are solely those of the guests and should not reflect the opinions of their employer or associated organizations. The guests' opinions do not reflect the opinion of the podcast or Faith and Grief Ministries.